As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Steve Sanders, a.k.a. at NCFC Numbers on Twitter, getting a second turn, standing in for Michael Bailey, who's on a very well-deserved break. And what a week it's been, with historic events taking place across the globe, and that's just Marco Stevens' first goal for 18 months. Like in the States, we're going to be getting tribal, although in our case it will be talking about Tom. We'll be looking at Norwich City's goals conceded column, where we can stop the count at just eight, and... Is Bali Mumba Norwich City's trump card? And has Farker just been biding his time getting him involved? Joining me to dissect all of this and more are two of the most passionate and entertaining orators from this side of the pond and two members of the On The Ball podcast team. First of all, a man who's never been known to react badly to a defeat. Not that I can remember anyway. Stuart Hodge. How are you doing, Stu? You right? Uh, are you just saying that because I'm Scottish and there's obviously an impending defeat coming in a European playoff this week? So oh, yeah, like you're actually yeah. just getting getting the teasing in early. Yeah, um, I'm not too so bad, Good. Uh, and a fine, a, fine jo- a fine job standing in so far. Um, I've got to say, uh, in terms of super subs go, not quite Ballymumba, but mm, getting there. Thanks very much. I feel a bit like um, I feel a bit like Rodney when sort of Dell allows him to look after the stool. You know, I, I feel like I've got Michael's BDI watching. Um, but it's it's with contemporary cultural references like that that I will <laughs> win the audience round. I'm sure. Um, and the, the, the person I haven't introduced um, is a guy who would absolutely sell out the four seasons total landscaping car park in a heartbeat. <laughs> John Rogers, how are you doing, John? I'm doing very well. I've, I've played there one actually. It was quite a good little gig. Yeah. Not yeah. People turned up. Yeah. But never mind. Well. How are you? You look very well. Can I just say you look very well. Thank you. I always feel I look a little bit um, peaky on the Zoom call because um, the lighting's not bad. Is, is it because, <laughs> just compared to Stu, who is sort of bathed in darkness, is it, is it kind of comparative? I think so. This is really good for a podcast, by the way, us talking about how we look. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> ah, exactly. Anyway, yeah. And, and you're right. Perhaps we, should, perhaps we should crack on. And you're not here for the politics chat, are you? So um, let's, get, let's get straight onto it. Let's get stuck into our headline act. And it seems only right to start with a man that everyone's talking about, and that man being Bali Mumba. 
Uh, one person who's definitely talking about him is Michael, um, so much so that he's written an entire piece devoted to his 28-minute cameo on Saturday against Swansea, which you can read, of course, on The Athletic. Um, so yes, Mumba came on in the 63rd minute alongside Josh Martin, and he played a starring role in Marco Stiefman's winning goal four minutes from time. Incisive bit of play from the left wing, which was kind of a feature of his game uh, throughout in that final half hour or so. Um, and he got, yes, got the assist for the assist, maybe the most talked about assist for an assist at Norwich City since um, Emmy's scorpion kick against Hull. That was the last one I could think of anyway. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll come to the question. John, is it yeah. fair to say that we wouldn't have won that game without Barley Mumba? Did he make the difference? Um, definitely. He brought a hell of an energy onto the pitch, didn't he? But he was doing what Max Ahrens has done so well for us the last like oh, two years now. He's kind of mm-hmm. doing lots of step overs around and causing mayhem around their last third. And we hadn't, I mean, Sorison's not going to do that. And we realized that because he's not, you know, he's not a left back, but when he did come on and I wasn't expecting him to be so direct and so brave on the ball, especially in that last third. And it wasn't just the, uh, the assist that he did. He really caused a lot of issues about two or three times. He got in round the back and he was causing all sorts of problems, putting crosses in and it was a hell of an impact, wasn't it? Yeah, it have an impact. It, it really was, especially for someone so young. Um, and that's my worry. Actually, that, that is my worry. Yeah. I think people might be a little bit carried away with with that now, yeah. expecting him to do that every single time, and maybe like that nervous energy that he had of having his debut and coming on kind of helped. Some people can go the other way, can't they? Can be they can like not be able to uh, kind of control it, but uh, it was very impressive for the young man. Really impressive. Sometimes I think with young players, it's quite, it's almost like they're not kind of caught up in the, the, the whole sense of the occasion all the time. They're just, they're basically told, this is no different. Go out there and do your stuff. I can think of a couple of examples. For example, when I was younger, watching Celtic in the Champions League, Norwich old boy David Marshall thrown in at the new camp, produced the performance of his life. Uh, to keep a clean sheet and, and Celtic went through on that occasion in the UEFA Cup as it was then uh, Stephen Pearson roasting Michael Reisiger uh, and, uh, when, when his career was in its infancy at Celtic Park um, were a, a couple of examples I can think of and um, mm. the thing that really impressed me about Bali Mumba and I, I sort of reshared the video on Twitter about this was it wasn't just what what John's mentioned was obviously really cool, like the stepovers and the the fact that he was directly impacting the play. But it was more for me the way that he was he was intelligently finding the amount of space that gave him time to take the initiative in the situation. So when he was getting the ball, he was getting in enough room that he didn't immediately have to sort of get round someone or avoid a tackle. He had enough time to sort of run at someone, front up the fullback, and say, "Look, I'm going to take you on." And, and I think it was that sort of element for me that that really made me wonder, how can you be on loan at South Shields uh, and then produce a performance like that in the championship? It just it beggars belief that, <laughs> that, that Sunderland allowed that to happen when, when you can clearly see the talent that this boy's got. Yeah, well, well like, like John says, I suppose some, some players thrive in that um, atmosphere and, and some don't. And, and thanks for giving us the phrase, uh, Stephen Pearson roasting Michael Reisger, by the way. Great, great first um, <laughs> introduction to the pod there. That's fantastic. Um, and, and he did remind me a bit of, of Aaron's when he came on. Um, and like you say, Zimmerman, there was a couple of passes in that video, because I did watch that video, Stu, where Zimmerman picked him out really nicely on, on the left-hand side. And he just made the most of being in that situation. Um, I mean, fl- flip side of this, John, um, is... 
are we, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a, be a big Debbie Downer on this, but are we getting a bit overexcited about a 28 minute showing? I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember Ollie Johnson, who, you know, looked fantastic coming off the bench, but um, Mumba's got to follow this up now, right? Um, I don't think he'll get a chance to start, I don't think, the next game. Again, it's what we talked a minute, minute ago. He's very young, and it was his first. Was it was his first, It was his debut, wasn't it? Of he, coming on to the championship. I know he, he came. He came off the bench for a, a couple of minutes against uh, Bristol City, uh, where Farker played him oh, of course on left, yes. actually actual left wing, I think. Yes, but yes, effectively, this was a debut. Um, but he also played the, the Luton game, didn't he? Yeah. In the cup early, so this was like the championship. But it kind of helps, I guess, that there is no crowd, and it might that might be a, a benefit for people making their debut. Same as Sorison. That's maybe if if that, he had a massive crowd that was on his back. Who did he made his debut against? It was uh, Sorensen. He played against Brentford. Yeah. Was okay. Brentford? Of course, it was. I was going to get Bristol and Brentford mixed up, and um, with him coming on to that like empty silent pitch could have would have kind of settled him a little bit more maybe i don't know who knows doesn't really matter he came on and absolutely blasted the team into into getting that those three points against a very good swansea team we, we mm. should have been three nil down by then yeah that's a different point we'll get to but I, I think we should we should have been blown away by then and it was a a lucky win but what a win i mean i think swansea looking at what they did on the pitch against us i think they'll be up there Yep. later on in the year to get three points and a clean sheet against that I was just delighted that's a really good performance and a really good result more than performance I should say yeah here, here. very impressive win wasn't it um, so Stu I'll, I'll ask the same question that, that John kind of posed there would you start number against Borough I mean I'm, I'm oh, thinking no. I'm thinking that, that that game is going to be very different to the Swansea game in terms of the threat that Borough will pose um, so even if Kintia's out would Sorensen be a better fit Nah, nah, I think, to be honest, what you, what you need against Borough, uh, there is an argument to say against the best defence in the Championship, you obviously want to have a, a player that's shown real attacking thrust and, and that sort of thing. But if this guy, if this young kid is sort of really buoyant in terms of his confidence, he's, he's feeling really up in himself and up in his game right now, the worst thing he could do is start him against Borough, then he's anonymous and has to get hooked after 60 minutes. And it basically takes away any of the momentum or any of the confidence that he's built up. So I don't think it would be a good move. And to be honest, Daniel Farker has a, a superb track record when it comes to, to managing young players and, and, and to... To coordinate in the best sort of path for their development as it as time goes on, and I don't think he's going to be swayed by by one performance. And and just to pick up on something else, John said, I think it can work one way or the other with different players. I think some players obviously feed off the crowd in a positive way, and then other players don't. And it also kind of depends on the mood that the Carroll Road crowd's in. There's a kind of sense of entitlement has, has set in over recent years in the Championship, and I think by a certain point in that game, the crowd would no doubt have been getting frustrated. Whether they would have given a bit more support to a younger lad or not, I think they, they probably would have been less frustrated with him than, say, Stephen Naismith, to pick a name out of the air, um, from the past. But so, so I think it can work one way or the other with, with certain players. But I'm, I'm very excited to see what he's done. But yeah, let's not get carried away here. This is a young kid. It's a cameo performance. It's a very, very effective and important one, as John said. But let's not start thinking that Bally Mumba's uh, even the next Max Ahrens at this point. <laughs> I think it's, it's far too early to put those kind of expectations in the kid's shoulders. 
Well, I definitely won't be making that comparison uh, again then. Um, just, just a final word um, for Daniel Farker, who I think, well, I, I'm going to give him a bit of praise for the subs. Um, I was sit- watching the game with my brother. Yeah, I'll, all right, I'll give him more than a bit. I'll give him um, a, a flagon of praise for his subs. Um, because I, I was sitting there um, thinking, so, well, with my brother, I was saying, got to bring Vrancic on. My brother was saying, got to bring Eder on. And he didn't bring either of them on, or Jordan Hugel, and still managed to change the game. That's, that's good management, isn't it? That's tactically and, and very clever. I was going to say, and he didn't take Stephenman off, which a lot of people are asking mm. for, because he was starting to kind of get a little bit lazy on the ball, and the, yep. the balls were going underneath him, and his passing was starting to kind of get away from him. But I'm so glad he did keep him on the pitch, obviously, because I think it's a vital win, really, especially before the, the international break as well. That's... that's we, I can't remember if we we you'll be able to tell this instantly, not like the way you do. We, are, we, are we normally really good before international break? But it feels like we always seem to be a bit poopy just before an international, and everyone feel, feels a bit down before we. Well, I, th- I think funnily enough, we we lost the equivalent fixture. It's not quite equivalent for two years ago because obviously everything's slightly later. But the the break, the, the game just before the final international break before Christmas, if you like, was it, was that home game against Stoke where Closer scored the own goal, and and that is exactly the the poopy uh, reaction, uh, <laughs> a better word, because we were on a really good run at that point, and then that Stoke just that Stoke game just kind of flattened things a little bit. So we we tend to be better, I think, just purely going off the top of my head, after an international break when we really start kind of rolling. And I think, I think the game straight after that Stoke match was the 4-0 win at Sheffield Wednesday, um, which is obviously, you know, cracker. But it, it's always good to just quickly, there's a lot of injuries kind of racking up at the moment. So if we can have a couple of weeks off, I mean, you know, obviously Grant Handley and, and Max Ahrens have pulled out of their, pulled out with my little bunny ears I'm doing at the moment of, <laughs> um, with their injuries. Um, maybe it's just a good time to kind of have a good rest this two weeks to kind of try and, heal some bones and, and and rest some muscles a bit yeah I, th- I think that's going to be an important factor i think the other thing that i would be looking at is just i mean it's such a crazy turnaround of fixtures it's always busy in the championship but given all of the parameters with the late start with covid with everything else that's going on uh, especially these players that are internationals or, or sort of youth internationals under 21 whatever it's a crazy amount of football that people are playing at the moment. So I think getting any sort of rest that we can and any sort of kind of management we can do our bodies and fitness is is going to be absolutely vital in the long run. Another thing to consider, just just in terms of what you're saying there, John, is the topsy-turvy nature at the top of this division. Reading had their flying start and they've just been thumped at home twice. So they're kind of, it's probably the international break has come at a good time for them. But there's loads of teams that have shown colours early and, and, and sort of shades that, that they might do something early. But I think it might sort of settle into the kind of teams that you would expect to be up there, being up there uh, as time progresses on. And fortunately, Norwich City have been not played very well during this opening dozen or, or nearly games. I think to be sitting where we are sitting in the table right now is probably more posi- more, more of a positive reflection points-wise than the performances have been, which could be something to do with the, the Carroll Road crowd not being there. I don't know. You could, you could throw that one up in there. But 
I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be important to have had this period where we've been able to grind out results, and I think later on in the season's fluency and, and performance levels and stuff will improve. And I think also part of it is teams are respecting us a lot more now. We're in this division, and because we absolutely sort of flew out the park um, as winners the last time playing such beautiful football and in such a way, teams very few teams are setting up to to sort of go at us. And, and I think when they do, for the most part, that seems to play into our benefit. With Swansea, actually, it didn't happen so much that way, but we got the result. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline the things that we're not going to talk about. So when I say we're going to cover them, we are going to cover them, but we're going to cover them in a, in a brief way. What we definitely will be keeping brief is uh, the Millwall review because um, number one, it was ages ago, or it feels like it was about six months ago. And number two, it wasn't a great game. There were no goals, nil-nil. Uh, Norwich had 27 shots, uh, 17 from outside the box, which is the most they've had in a game under Daniel Farker. Um, has anyone got anything to add at all on that match and try and keep it to let's say 30 seconds no more than a, a certain Norwich City account which tweets stats and stuff said that there was more shots in that game than there were in the game that we won by four goals to three in such dramatic fashion which I remember with your partner last week Ben Mouncer leaping out the seats and just not believing what we'd seen in that 4-3 game it was one of the one of my high points as a Norwich City supporter and one of those games where, like, I was, and I know this sounds like a really sort of privileged thing to say, but like, I was glad I wasn't covering it. I was glad I was there as a supporter. Yeah, Steve, what was the exact number of shots in that tweet? Can you remember off the top of your head? <laughs> um, I think there were 33 shots in that game. I think Norwich had 27 and Millwall had six. So, um, and that's compared to the previous number uh, of... I believe it was 29. A good fashion, good old point, wasn't it? I think yes. both teams were happy with a point. I mean, yeah. it's one of those games where just no one could finish off. And we were very, very nearly lost it in that last kick of the game, wasn't it? They, when he plonked it against the crossbar. So I will move on to Swansea. Then we've kind of, we've kind of covered it. Um, but uh, obviously, Steeperman scored that winner with a, a few minutes ago. And thank God he did. Otherwise, we literally have no goals to talk about in the last week. Um, but, uh, I mean... Stu, you, you kind of said it. We we did get a bit of the rub of the green and it was Tim Krul to thank once again, wasn't it really? Yeah, I've already sort of tweeted this and I'm, I'm going to stand by it. He is like really on course for double player of the year already. Like honestly, uh, I just think the start to the season he's had has been magnificent. And he's it, what's vital is having a goal scorer, having someone that creates chances, a fairly solid defence and a quality goalkeeper. If you've got those things, you can contend for a title. And we seem, to be honest, to have all of those assets at the moment, injuries and suspensions <laughs> and all that not permitting. But Tim Krul is as vital a player to Norwich City as anyone at the moment with the way that he's playing and and just the leadership that he provides, really. Because you can, you can definitely see that sort of emanating its way through the rest of the side. 
Mm. Um, I've got an interesting, if you don't mind, a kind of interesting opinion about Tim Krull's performance yes, on today. I don't think it was that incredible because most of the chances just were planted right down his throat. Every single one they had. Uh, Swansea should have been flying away with the, with the chances they had, especially that first one. He was like literally on the penalty spot. And he just played, it was a, quite a tame shot right down. And just Tim just like palmed it. Well, I think he had a better game against Bristol City mm-hmm. where he made two or three absolutely world-class saves rather than just kind That's of like true. pushing the ball away. That was like down his throat. I mean, I'll be very, very disappointed if he didn't make any of those saves. I think he would have found that those saves easier to make than, the, than some he made in the Millwall game. I think he made a great save as well. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a, that's a really fair comment. What, what I would say is I think he was sort of, it was almost like no one else can get a man of the match other than Tim Krull. It was almost like decided that he, that he was going to get it. I, I, I actually thought um, that Skip possibly had a better game than him. I thought he, was, he looked the outstanding player on the pitch for us. Um, uh, but I suppose, I guess it's when you make the saves, right? And when it comes to a nil-nil and and it, I guess in both instances, Jamal Lowe, wasn't it? It should, should have scored. And I suppose it, it's it's that, it's the fact that it looks like it's going to be a goal and then your man gets in the way yeah, that, that makes it feel bad. And, and obviously the fact that the game hinged on those two saves, really. And it's, it's not... Not that I don't obviously love Tim Croy. He's, fan- oh, yeah. he's just been absolutely fantastic for us. It's just that everyone kind of got a little bit over the top about his performance against mm. on Saturday. And I just didn't, didn't think it, those saves were kind of quite par for the course, I thought. They should, he should have made them. I'd be very surprised if any of those got past him. They're, they're, they're Swansea would have... I'd be livid if I was the chances that they had and I was a fan of those and they didn't put one of those away, let alone all, you know. So uh, mm. there you go. Well, that, do you know what? I, I think in terms of the quality of the saves, definitely the Bristol City game. There was that, in particular, that fingertip one was just out, out of this world, outstanding. But the one thing I would say is a lot of goalkeeping is about presence, and it's about the the effect that you can have on the opponent, especially in those one on one situations. And there's no doubt that he asked the questions of Jamal Lowe and Jamal Lowe didn't have the answers. So that's the one thing that I would say in, in sort of favour of it. But I do think in terms of the quality of the saves, you're absolutely right. The the I mean, that Bristol City one was like... I, I think the double save he made, that was, it was pulled out for offside when it went, when uh, Naki Wells wanted to go yes. get it. But that first save from 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 they push, pushed it away from Chris Martin's header was just an astonishing save. And that kept us in the mm. game. Without that, we'd have been probably, what is it, one? Or we'd have been two, one, two, two? It would have been two, two then, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I think it would have been a totally different game. So it's, it's those little moments that he's just pushing himself into into the places that we knew he would have got to when we first, when I first signed him. I knew he was going to kind of come good. I think a lot of good, a lot of fans did when, I know he was like, looked at a bit of a, of a, of a, Kind of, uh, what's the word? I don't want to be really negative. I'm really, I sound like I'm being really negative about Tim Crawl at the moment, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> not really, no, not really, mate. Like, you're, you're saying he's making world class saves and stuff. Yeah, that's true. You're just saying that people are getting carried away, and I can see I why think, because your reasoning sound. Yep, I think I think it's it's quite all right to have an opinion um, without sounding like you're being critical. I think, I think you've yeah. done that pretty well, John. Let's let's just move quickly move on then to the defence in front of him. Well, I mean, Tim Crawl is part of this as well, but I think it is worth noting that, that Norwich City have only conceded eight goals in the first 11 games. Um, they've only done that, well, they've only done that or, or bettered it twice in the last 40 seasons. So this is new territory we're in, Norwich looking solid at the back. Um, blame me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's quite surprising. Um, and 
I suppose the, the, the question is, because obviously they, it was Gibson and Hanley against Millwall. And obviously Zimmerman came in for Gibson to partner Hanley against Swansea. Who's, I'll ask you, Stu, first, who, who's the best, who, who's your first choice centre-back partnership right now? Depends on the game. And I'm not saying that as a sit-in-the-fence cop-out. I think if it's a game where we need to push the initiative in an attacking sense, I prefer Christoph Zimmerman's um, range of passing and, and what he can do in terms of spraying the ball. We obviously mentioned those switches to Bally Mumba, but I like what he does in that sense. Uh, and the fact that he seems to kind of, I, I don't know, just sort of G the team. I don't know if it's like they, they press further up or whatever. Obviously, that's that's a kind of decision by committee more than more than just him. But they just seem to, there seems to be more of an impetus in, in a kind of the, the attacking side of the game from centre back, which is obviously one of the, the kind of weird facets of modern football. And I think you get more of that with Christoph Zimmerman. But if you want to keep a clean sheet against a fellow promotion contender, I want the other two. John, that's really interesting. I, I'm, I actually have the complete opposite to you. <laughs> really? About that. Because I think Gibson's, that's the one thing I've been really impressed with him about. The way he's kind of been getting hold of the ball and drilling it into like Rupp or, or whoever in, into Emmy's feet really, really directly. And quite fit, like quite a difficult pass to control. He's drilled at people. And I think that's been a kind of a, a catalyst over two or three chances and kind of um, attacks that we've come. And I've, I've been really impressed with Gibson. I was gutted that he didn't. He's injured. Did anyone know how badly injured he is? They didn't really talk about him. I, don't think. I think he was a doubt for the Swansea game. Um, this is the kind of question where Mike would immediately know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't think they were worried long term. But then we've had that before, haven't we? With, uh, with yeah. But I've, I've been really impressed with, with Gibson, yeah, actually. But isn't that great that we've got three really good centre-backs yep. to choose yeah. from? And, and Farker openly admitted he wants one more. So if he can bring someone, maybe a, a youth team player from a Premier League team to come in and kind of help out, in, the, in those situations, I'm, I'm all for it. So it's, yeah. it's weird. Does anyone know why we've suddenly become like bloody Middles, Middlesbrough for some reason? <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting question. Actually, this is what I was going to kind of come on to. One of the interesting things, I mean, I'm sure nobody out there is looking at Experimental 361, but it is quite an interesting site if you're, if you're into that kind of thing with uh, statistics and football and that sort of thing. And they do a, they do a table based on expected goals. Um, so, and again, expected goals, I, I'm not crazy about. but I hate that stuff. <laughs> well, you are going to love this next 30 seconds, then, John. Um, but essentially, we have the expected goals for our defence is 5.9 more than it should be. So effectively, we've let in six fewer goals than we should have had based on the chances. And we should have scored nine more goals. So actually, our games have been low scoring. But in terms of the chances both teams have had, i.e. rubbish finishing, great goalkeeping, whatever you want to call it, there should have been a lot more goals. So... I guess it's a sort of veneer of, of um, a, a good defence at the moment, but the way it's going is you might expect more goals to be going in at both ends. So what, 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 right, I'm trying to make extrapolations and deductions from, from that, which is we're not scoring the amount that we should be with the attacking players right. and Tim Krull is stopping more shots than he should be. Or is that is that the defence as a whole? Because surely if the shots are getting through, then it's about Tim Krull. Is that right? I think it is about Tim Krull and probably bad finishing at the other end. That's that's what I would read into it, yes. So um, if Krull's level were to drop and he would just start letting in uh, start letting in goals that he shouldn't, then perhaps we yeah we would obviously start conceding more, I guess. It stands to reason, isn't it? 
I just want to quickly touch on the accounts as well. Norwich City released their uh, annual accounts last Wednesday and announced a £2.1 million profit, obviously helped by being in the Premier League, um, not helped so much by COVID-19. Clearly, that cost the club £12.3 million, um, and there's another £12 million uh, loss forecast for next year. Um, however, the figures for this year don't include the £40 million that we made on Jamal Lewis and Ben Godfrey. Um, believe it or not, I actually even i find this stuff really boring so you you do need to go and check out michael's article on this if you want i was going to say i found expected goals more interesting just what sorry because i know you want to move on but just a a final wee point on that is i think one of the reasons that we might be low scoring this season is because teams have been sitting quite deep against us and we found it quite hard to break them down and it's often been by the odd goal and therefore in some of the games there's been less of an attacking threat against us and then in some of the games we've also been really lucky and reliant on the goalkeeper Yep, I can't argue with any of that. And then finally, just to round off this bit, uh, we we have some international call-up news as well. Um, I don't want to miss too many out, but but the, the headlines are, I'll, I'll just go in and out. So in, Sebastian Soto, first call-up for um, the US men's national team. Super. Um, he is on loan at the moment at Telstar, I think. That's Please correct. correct me if I'm wrong. Thank you very much. Um, out, Max Ahrens, who was concussed uh, in the first half of the Swansea game and has ruled himself out of England under 21 contention as a result. Uh, that happened earlier today. I don't quite know what the rules are on that, but it seems odd that he can play the second half of our game, but not an England under 21 game a week later. But what do I know? Um, in, Shemi Plajeta, uh, called up by Poland for the first time. So um, very well deserved on his form for us, I would say. Uh, out, Todd Campwell, uh, A.D. Boothroyd, has uh, said for the England under 21s, he said he needs to concentrate on his football. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but uh, A.D. Boothroyd has. Uh, in, Ollie Skip, he is in the England under-21 squad, but out, Grant Hanley, so to pull out of the Scotland squad. I know, mate. I know. So, that, that's, uh, I, that's I, a big blow, matter, actually. No, no, do you know what? It, it is a big blow. It is a big blow. Because uh, I wanted him to play. I mean, to be honest, we've been all right without him defensively because Steve Clark just sets his teams up that way, but... For the challenge that Serbia are going to present, albeit they've been sort of missing a few players, I'm not going to go too into Scotland, but yeah, I would have liked Grant Hantley to be there. Just um, almost as well, like part of being an Norwich fan, I would like him and Kenny to be part of the occasion. If we actually do make it to a major tournament, I would love them to have been part of that, that playoff game. Okay, so the next part of the podcast, as you will know if you're a regular listener, is the centrefold. And this week's centrefold is about one of the 21 Norwich City players currently out on loan. That sounds like an exaggeration, but I can assure you it's not. Uh, Tom Tribal. He spoke to Michael uh, about how it ended for him before he uh, moved out on his loan move to Blackburn Rovers for a year. And you can read Michael's piece on, guess where, Stu? Uh, his that's, former employer no the athletic that's the one that's the one so tribal said in his interview um just a snippet um i was not really happy at the end the first part of last season i played a lot of games and we showed a couple of good performances and then he goes on to say i had a chat with daniel we had a meeting we spoke about each and every topic that's it he told me of the current situation and what they wanted to do in the future and dot 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 all right I mean, my first reaction is it's, it's quite it's quite sad, isn't it? Like Tribal's been a good player for us, and it's just it's just sad that it's ended up, isn't it, Stu? Well, it is to me. Yeah, we as as a wee bit like the one thing that I picked out of that is that is the word topic. Like, is that is that one of the go-to words? There's some sort of tombola in the go for you. <laughs> the same kind of words these these sort of foreign German. I, I, don't, I don't know what the German um, word topic is. So. No, neither do I. But Daniel Farker uses the word topic a lot. 
and the word situation is another one that you know, he likes. It's greedy. Uh, I like that. <laughs> We're not suggesting that tribal is greedy, are we? Mm. I hope. No, no. I mean, no. John, you, you looked at me, you gave me a slightly scathing look there when I suggested that was sad. Do you not think it is? It's 21 players out, and I think we might not get any money for Tom when he does transfer. We might get some money for Anna, though. Everyone harks on about the Leeds game, which he was astonishing in. He was probably the, was like a player that mm. I've never seen a, a defensive midfielder play before. The challenges he were made were millimetres from red cards, but he managed to win the ball and dominate the whole game. And without that performance, we wouldn't have won the game, which I think catapulted us towards winning the championship. Yep. Apart from that, what's he done? He's he's been he was a solid player that season. I think centre fold. It's, it's kind of interesting. It's him because he's very much a, a central player uh, in, in the sense of the positions that he takes up. But has he been a central player that's been pivotal to the way that the club has sort of well, I suppose yo yo folded. But, but <laughs> the denouement of the last few seasons, I don't think he has particularly. And I think the most memorable bits of Tom Tribal's career, as you were kind of alluding to there, John, with Norwich City, if it does sort of come towards a, a kind of natural end, are going to be the, the sort of social media stuff and, and that kind of thing. That's, that's going to be some of the more noteworthy memories that you have of him other than that Leeds game. And there can be outliers, as we said, Pearson roasting Reisiger. You know, like there can, there can be outlying games in anyone's career for a club. But um, I think I think Tom Tribal's body of work with Norwich has been solid, but I don't think it's been spectacular. I don't think with the midfield options we've got in our squad and also some of the, the, the prospects we've got, in, in the youth ranks, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a great loss for the club. So uh, I'm happy to see him getting football. Uh, I think it's one of those moves that makes sense for for all parties involved. And also, you don't want anyone who's got a kind of fractious attitude hanging around the corner mm. of the dressing room or whatever. That's, so yeah, from that perspective, it makes sense. Does anyone know how he's done for Blackburn? Actually, well, I haven't seen his performances, but I suppose from a defensive. Uh, mindset they've, they've shipped quite a few goals so um to that end possibly is, not is he starting i believe so yeah I don't, I don't know if he's in the team every week but i have noticed that he's been in for a few games they might they might be playing alongside bradley johnson um i haven't i haven't been following blackburn closely enough but i i well i was going to say i suspect he will play when uh, we play them but of course he won't will he because he won't be able to um my the only other question i had and i i feel like i already know the answer to this but a one word answer I feel like Oliver Skip is the is the tribal of this season. Upgrade on tribal stew, yes or no? Massively. And John? Definitely. Okay. Well, there we go. Rup, I mean, Rup is more more t- tribally. I would have said that Rup was a McLean. Would you? Yeah, I would say so. Tribal's your whole tribal's your holder, your your metronome. Well, you know, let us know who's right. I I and think <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's a good point, but I, I'm kind of. I, I think I think Rup's more of a shuttler, a midfield shuttler. Yes, I think Rup is. Who's, who's he play for? Celtic, probably. I will say, <laughs> I think I think he's more of a, a faster lightener, Rup. Well, we're not even talking about Rup. We're talking about Tribal. He's gone. Get over it, everyone. Twenty-one of the other players are on the books, and there's time to move on. Just remains for me to say that on the ball will be with you every step of the way this season, and you can rely on your weekly dose of Norwich City and maybe Scotland discussion throughout lockdown too. Um, subscribe via your podcast player of choice and of course it's available free for everyone on your usual podcast player and ad free to subscribe to The Athletic via the app 
if you like what we're doing, leave us a review and a rating and continue to spread the word wherever it's only one who you think might be interested. And if you want to get in touch or ask us a question, then, uh, well, for now, you can send me a message on Twitter. I'm at NCFC numbers or at Michael J. Bailey, because Michael's probably still checking his Twitter. He does tend to even when he's on holiday. Anyway, thank you, Stu. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I, I kind of, uh, I'm just like in reverie, sort of thinking about Scotland this week. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to just Norwich City being back because I, that there's more chance of that leading to eventual success of some sort this season, at least. Lovely. Well, that's good to hear for, for the, all the Norwich fans of this podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you, mate. And uh, thank you all. Look after yourselves for the next seven days. We will be back again next week to puncture the international break for another On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. See you next week. And we are into wit's end. And it's the secret part of the pod that is a reward for all of you who stuck with us. But this is our homage to Norwich City's finest ever Scottish, Scotland again, uh, Scottish right back, come left back, come centre midfielder Stephen Whittaker, um, and our chance to talk about anything Norwich City related um, and see where it takes us. If you're not sure what this is all about, then the answers to what's going on here can be found on On The Ball podcast number 42. Uh, it's the meaning of life, but it's also the meaning of Wits End. Uh, by being here, that now makes you a part of Wits End and you're an honorary Twitterker. And ultimately, you can steer the ship. So tell us which direction you want the chat to go in for future weeks as well. How do you do that? I hear you ask. Well, there are many ways, but you can email us, Twitterkers, T-W-I-T-T-E-R-K-E-R-S at iCloud.com. Or you can use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. But there's only one rule. Just don't explain what it refers to. Just the hashtag, nothing else. It's kind of like a fight club thing. One rule about Wits End is we don't talk about Wits End. So I will give you a tweet to kick us off, gents. Um, this relates to the don't meet your heroes or do meet your heroes. Uh, it was Alex Ware who tweeted us. He said, during year 2004, I was working at JJB Sports, trying to help Darren Huckabee with two full England kits and shirt printing for his kids is the definition of pressure when meeting your heroes. How do we how do we feel about that? I don't actually know how that works. There's a there's a word for the embossing of numbers and letters on a football kit, and I can't remember what it is. Uh, there's, a, there's a special there's a special word for the technique involved in that. Yeah. and I don't know how much is done by the machine and how much is done by the individual. In this case, Alex. Uh, so I don't know how difficult it is, but I can appreciate having any task to do whatsoever when meeting your hero makes meeting your hero more difficult, I suppose. Yeah, because you, you want to you wanna play it cool, don't you? But you're also trying to concentrate on doing your job. How would you react in that situation, John? Fall to pieces or would you... Would you... <sighs> do you know what? I've met quite a few Norwich footballers over, over the years now. Ooh, cool. And I can honestly happily say I only liked two. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I'd love to know about the ones you don't like, but let's hear about well, the ones. You just go through them all. Mm. The ones that I do like are nice. Well, one was Darren Eady, and the other one was Ollie Johnson. Oh, okay. Which we, we, we mentioned earlier on. They're nice. just really, just very normal, down to earth people. Didn't like the rest of them, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone takes everyone as they get them, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you are a footballer who's listening and have met John <laughs> oh what can I say I'm, I'm they sorry they wouldn't even know <laughs> no they wouldn't even know that's true so it doesn't matter does it another another tweet that we uh, had was from the at Twitterkers 
uh, account, which uh, is spelt T and then Stephen Whitaker. I'm not going to go through the spelling. If you know how Stephen Whitaker is. This is so complicated, isn't it? It literally is so complicated. I mean, I don't know how Michael does it, to be quite honest, because I I can't handle the (laughs) number of different How many beers did you have on this curry night? Uh, I I, I muddied the water, by the way, by the last time I was on this be saying, I thought it was Twitterkers and they just rejected my my sort of premise. (laughs) That's how it should be pronounced. Yeah, you don't want to muddy the water at curry night, really, do you? But uh, the, the Twitterkers, uh, so this, this hashtag, uh, we were hashtagged in this, and the question is, it was a poll, in fact. So how do people feel about Buendia's look and remember my name celebration? This goes back to Bristol City game, which tells you that we haven't done this for a while. Um, mm. it's, it's disrespectful, 6.5%. It's annoying, 6.5%. I'm not bothered, 41.9%. Go for it, lad. 45.2 percent so go for it lad is is the winning is the winner so so we're happy we're happy with this i like people have voted i'm not bothered <laughs> by moving their finger you are bothered yeah. by moving your finger <laughs> I, I, did, I don't like i never liked it it's a strange one isn't it must why why people want to do that especially with no crowd so we're obviously doing it to the camera so we're obviously doing it to the norwich fans mm. am i getting too deep into this so what what no what, i like it we obviously know what your name is, mate. You scored an incredible goal, so do it again more often because you don't do it enough. Yeah. And then do more of those like scorpiony kicky things that you do. They're good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We like those. I mean, I was going to ask actually on on the subject of celebrations. Any any memorable ones from? I, I was slightly disappointed that Steeperman didn't bring out his one of his selection of because he had some slightly weird. There was one sort of crab mm. one, um, and one where he they're all animals, the weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all animals. It was a seal. Yeah, there was a sit- just out of practice, like yeah. to be honest. Or maybe he's not watched any good sort of the Jungle Book in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was always a fan of the um, the player who had their own patented celebration. You don't see it so much these days. Ro- Robbie Keynes was a favourite. Yeah, yeah. Lee Power and Rule Fox back in the day used to have that little thing they used to do, and then Chris Sutton kind of joined in a bit of it. Then Mark Bowen tried to do it once when he scored. <laughs> it was like. Looked like an enthusiastic dad trying to get involved in a school disco or something, but it was it was really enjoyable to have that kind of. Oh, they're going to do it, and they had and little kids used to copy. I remember I, was, I must have been about oh, twelve or so around that day. I used to copy it in the playground as well. So I I like a good celebration. People should do more of them. Yeah, yeah like hold on though, empty stadiums. Is it not yeah, about do it sort of even more? Yeah, oh, oh definitely. Right? Yeah, all the more reason to do. Imagine it. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should just involve the camera a bit more. Imagine closer headbutting the 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 corner flag, like with with no fans around. (laughs) That's the sort of thing we need. Really over the top now. Yeah, we need some excitement in our life. Don't look at us. That's of of any Norwich City game that I've commentated. That's my favourite celebration. The headbutt of the corner. I mean, I I was also a big fan of the Earnshaw celebration the back was it some oh. sort of a for, or forward front flip which is probably quite hard to do and then the kind of elegant sweep of the arm but he used to change that up didn't he at the end of the he used to do they used to do a, like a, a front flip and mm. then like do a little river dance there was a little bit of river dance stuff going on then he did little yeah. did he start, was, bend down on one knee it was loads yeah of was there like an, a, a sort of oozy style rambo yeah there was exactly yeah. as well yeah so he had like he had like he had like the, the the main course, and his dessert was always different for for every <laughs> celebration, which was. I, I can impressive. remember Alex Ferguson warning Nanny after he did like a flip celebration uh, for yes, for Manchester that, United. Yeah. Like he warned them against doing it. You could injure yourself, you're silly boy, you kind of vibe. <laughs> and I like did did, did Earnshaw ever get rebuked for for his flamboyant celebration technique during his time at Norwich City? 
That's one thing I've always wanted to be able to do, by the way, is do a, a, a front flip or a back flip without like just doing it. Can you do the splits? Yeah. No. No. I'm, well, I can, but I would never be able to stand up again. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm round. I'd just roll. Like, but, yeah. Forward. I mean, do you think that's why Robbie Keane, do you think Robbie Keane thinks the same thing? Which is why he just thought, I'll just go for a forward roll and, and then just do some pointing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it goes without saying that um, having listened to all of that, if you if you haven't thought of your own um, favourite celebrations, then why not? And uh, if you have, please uh, hashtag Twitterkers, let us know. Steve, um, I, can, I can promise you one thing. People will not be listening to that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're still here... It's a dark then, day uh, if someone's still listening to, to us. <laughs> still... <laughs> Raviting on about Robbie Keane's celebration. We're, we're in we're in dark days. Yeah, I'm going to go into any other business because we are <laughs> if we are definitely going to get cut if, if we go on too much longer. But well, any other really business from either of you, you can have you can have yeah. one item each. I've got a really good one. Go on then. Are Norwich City a better team without Ben Godfrey? Now that is a very good question. One that I was thinking of this week. So. Answers yes. on a postcard, please. The answer I think, is yes. I think they may well be. They certainly concede fewer goals. So um, let us know. Gibbs, Benji mm. or Benji? Gibson or Godfrey? Uh, Stu, anything for any other business? Yeah, just the amount of times that me and John have said, or, or John has said after a point of mine, I actually think the complete opposite of you on that way. <laughs> I just love how... Like, I, I love hearing John's views in the game, and it's one of the, the refreshing things that you can have that kind of conversation and just like see it so differently, even though it's basically the same thing. You know? But I, I've never taken football as seriously, or I'm not as clever as you two guys. And, I, and that, when you look at football a lot differently in a way that I've never done, I'm, very, I'm quite a shallow football fan. I enjoy, I enjoy just... I do enjoy watching it like a chess game when it when it's on. I kind of like sitting back and just being quiet. A lot of people like to talk during football. And I never hate people talking during football. That's but my I've job. I've never been. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never. I, I don't watch any foreign football. I, you can ask me who's on top of the Italian league. Couldn't tell you right at all right now. But I've never been into that sort of xg nonsense or how many caps people have got with the stats and figures that's why you two are beyond me and i've and that's why i do see things differently that's a good thing though isn't it oh, oh it's definitely. great it's perspectives isn't it and and that's what's good and no one is less valuable than another yeah but obviously gibson is better than Zimmerman. obviously that's just <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i think it's time to wrap up see you all again next week cheers Duke. cheers mate and cheers john cheers steve cheers john take care everyone until next time, see ya.